But when we think about plants, they are utterly fundamental to life on Earth. Hi, welcome to Nature Magic. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Karen Bacon. Karen is a plant ecologist and paleoecologist based in Botany and Plant Sciences at the National University of Ireland, Galway. Karen's interests focus on invasive species, plant chemistry, ecosystem services, and plant blindness. We talk about what people can do to fight the biodiversity crisis, and Karen kindly sent on some questions after the interview to ask your local politicians when they come knocking. I will put them in the show notes so that you can print them off and stick them up by the front door. So hi, Karen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, You're very, very welcome. Where are you talking to us from today? Hi, Mary. First of all, thanks for having me. It's great to to join you. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I'm coming to you today from uh, home in Lockray. So still working from home at the moment, um, but it's a beautiful day, so can't complain. Yes, so we'll try not to keep you inside, locked locked in front of the computer for too long. we, can you tell us your background? I know you're a nature lover and, you know, what have you been doing? You've recently started in the university in Galway. Yeah, so um, I'm a plant scientist and um, I, I did my degree and my PhD in University College Dublin quite a long time ago now. Um, and I've then worked in the UK for a long time. I've been in the University of Leeds for I think it was about six years, just before I moved to NUI Galway in uh, 2019. So um, my research is very broad. Um, It includes elements of paleobotany and also modern ecology, everything kind of from invasive species to uh, how people engage with plants, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later on and also looking at how plants are dealing with current climate uh, threats and risks of extinction, both in the modern world and in the fossil record. Yeah, so for people who don't know the term, so paleobotany is botany in the fossil record, is that correct? That's right, yeah, so it's just fossil plants. Um, So when people, when we say paleo, people immediately often think of dinosaurs, which is a type of plant blindness, which we can talk about as well. Um, And so people always think about dinosaurs when you say paleo, but um, my area is is the fossil plants. So the things some of the dinosaurs were using. Yes. So one of um, Karen's particular topics, which she's written some wonderful articles about, is the subject of plant blindness, uh, which Uh, I'll let Karen explain and also the theory that that name plant blindness is a little confusing for people and maybe there are some other suggestions. Yes so um, the term plant blindness was first brought in in kind of the like the late 1990s around that kind of time and what it refers to is a form of cognitive bias so where people don't really see plants in the same way that they see animals in particular. So it's like you consign plants to background. I show students every year some photographs and I show them they're not very good. Um, and I still say to them, you know, what, what, what's in the photograph? And every year I'm told, I can't really see what's in it. I think it might be some sort of a dragonfly. And it's like, mm, yeah, okay, it might be. What about this one? Well, that's an out of focus bumblebee, I think. Um, and what about this one? I think they might be sparrows. 
they're all really terrible photographs of animals, but they're quite good photographs of the plants. They actually, it's a bramble or it's a garden, it's a grass, a piece of grass. And, and the students immediately are looking for the animal in the picture. And we've done this kind of with members of the public as well on you know, outreach days and, and it's the same. So that's it. That's the clear cut example of what plant blindness is. It is not seeing the plants. It is putting them in the background and thinking there must be something else there or just walking by them and not, not paying any attention, not really seeing them. But if you saw, say, if you're going through a park somewhere, you might think it's a very nice park and you're you know, having a nice walk. You're not noticing the plants. But if a squirrel ran by, you go, oh, I saw a squirrel in the park today. Uh, not I saw these plants or this tree or, you know, anything. It's, it's I saw the animal. So it's it's putting plants in the background. Yes, um, we do. Well, we haven't done it for a while now, but Frisky, our burren feral goat, used to do the Frisky herb walk. And really the good thing about it was we go around and see what herbs Frisky wanted to eat. But um, basically she'd just stop and start eating something. So you all had to stop. And eventually everybody would look down and go, oh, dandelion. <laughs> and then, oh, then you'd start talking about the dandelion. But it was it's literally the fact that she'd stopped you there and you couldn't move any further and you had to look at the plant. Um, so she was quite useful in that respect. But I totally agree. Every single time I go around the nature walk with somebody, I've, I find a new plant that I've walked past. For instance, you came recently and you spotted, you pointed out the Enchantress's nightshade. Yeah. Um, I had never spotted it before. So it's it's even the people who love plants, it's a problem. I, I, I do, yes. And I think that's, that is maybe a little bit of it, but I do think plants do make us work a little bit harder for it as well, you know? Um, so they are uh, generally, they're not going to move around in the same way that, that an animal will. Um, they're maybe particularly a lot of our native flora, not all of it, but a lot of it is quite diminutive, you know? Um, so you kind of have to want to see it. You have to be engaged, I think, to see it. And it's not that people are disconnected from it. It's just that, you know, our lives are really busy and as if they're just put to the background and it's just not something that, that people see immediately. Um, but it is something that it is a little bit of a problem, though, because when we start to think about you know, how decisions are made, how uh, different things are protected, even on, you know, the kind of higher level of, of government funding where money goes. It goes to things that people care about and people care about things they know about and they understand. So that puts plants down quite a bit further. Um, and particularly when we're starting to think about things like our native plants, you know, you might say people thinking about crops or stuff like that maybe is a higher priority, which, which is fine, but we're not necessarily thinking about, you know, our small native plants like the Enchantress Nightshade or uh, Hori Willow Herb or these kind of plants, um, because we're, we're just not even maybe aware that, that they're there most mm. of the time. Mm. I mean, and we, I want to ask you in a minute, why are plants important, which is a big question, but I was just... <laughs> Um, just remembering walking down the Boreen with you the other day and on our left yeah on our left hand side we've got the meadow 
um, which all the local farmers think were cracked because we don't, you know, cut it until the end of September and it's full of um, yellow rattle, which isn't good for hay. And it's it's absolutely bursting with biodiversity. And if you look over the other wall, there is a very good farmer's field, which is monoculture ryegrass. And there isn't a native plant in sight. And that's just from pure management and how yeah. simply all those plants can disappear by one application of nitrogen and they're gone. And they're gone in most places. Uh, why do we need to keep this biodiversity? It is, it's so important. And I think that being in the, the meadow with you recently, it was just, it was amazing. It was the most beautiful meadow I've ever been in. And so biodiverse, just absolutely incredible. Um, I, I could still be there. <laughs> and the, it all kind of, it, everything in the, the natural world is connected. You can't pull a piece out and then still expect to have all of the things that, that you place a value on. Everything is connected together. So when we are talking about biodiversity, we're talking about plants or animals or fungi, you know, the whole thing. My area obviously is plants, that's the bit that I'm interested in. If you want to have terrestrial ecosystems, so things like forests and peatlands and all the life that we have on land, you have to have plants. If you want to have um, quite a lot of the food crops that, that we grow globally are pollinated. If you want to have those pollinators, you need to have the plants that they are also, they've, they've evolved with, they're native plants. So we need our native plants to help the pollinators. We need our native plants that are maybe not as, as useful to pollinators because it's also important not just to place plants as only a service provider. It's not just there because they, oh, we'll keep that species because it's important to a pollinator. That's not how it works. Those species are also found in a community, a plant community, in particular areas that have other species that will fill other niches, have other roles to help that ecosystem be healthy and thriving. So it all builds together. If we want a healthy planet, we need to have healthy ecosystems. If we want healthy ecosystems, we need to have biodiverse ecosystems. And if we want biodiverse ecosystems, that starts with the plants. Um, I think that's a very clear message and, and hopefully that'll be able to connect in people's minds why this is so important, because it's really the educate. It's not even education. It's just it's an understanding that isn't there. Um, you know, you look yeah. at a lovely field of green grass. Well, that's lovely. You can make hay and feed the cows and everything. Why is well, the, the flowers are pretty, but, you know, hey, what's the point? <sighs> it's a difficult topic, isn't it? So really, yeah. one of the things in your article, which I really loved, is trying to rename plant blindness. And the best uh, one I think people have come up with is plant awareness, because at least people understand what that means. Because if you say plant blindness, people go, yes, what exactly is that? Whereas plant awareness, they go, OK, we need to be aware of plants. Yeah, and I think we've had we had quite a, a conversation about this. So the um, when I started getting interested in this topic a couple of years ago, um, there was also a, an academic discussion going on around the term plant blindness. Um, and it's on one hand, so the responses that I've seen in various different platforms online have have gone from the very kind of funny 
um, with people tweeting that, like, I didn't think any of them had eyes, to the really serious, um, which is that it can be viewed as a disability metaphor. And, you know, we don't want to exclude people, obviously. No one that, you know, I've, I've spoken to in the scientific community wants that. We want it to be inclusive. And the other thing is that the term is, it's important to have a term that people can engage with and can understand. Now, I do have to say plant blindness is a good conversation starter because people go, what? And, and you can start talking about it, but I'm increasingly uncomfortable with it, um, having spoken to people who, um, who view it as a disability metaphor. And, and I don't think that's the way forward. Yeah. Um, so when we had that meeting um, and we had a good discussion around this, one of the terms that has been suggested was deemed very, very um, academic, and it's hard enough to engage people without kind of loading up on, you have to explain every word and a phrase. It's, it's I might get a fail. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a, it's a really good conversation starter because you can then say, well, you know, I bet you can tell me 10 plants, um, and most people can. Um, but then if I'm if if I'm running the quiz that we have run uh, on, on several occasions, we might say, can you tell me these 10? Um, and most people can't get all 10. So it's a it's a good conversation starter. But more importantly, I think it it says exactly what we want. So it says, are, are you are you plant aware? How plant aware are you? And it's immediately getting people to think about it. It's immediately getting people to question themselves like do I know any plants? And it's either I know loads of plants or do I know any at all? And you do, you definitely do know some. Um, so I, yeah, I think we're, you know, as a, it's a conversation that's kind of going on at the moment, but, but I think it's a good um, suggestion. And I think it's a, a more inclusive term as well, which is. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you could say things like, do you want to top up your plant awareness? which isn't maybe as like intimate yeah as intimidating as how plant aware are you are you <laughs> zero <laughs> uh, but it's so true because talking to the national parks and wildlife um, guides up at the borough national park i mean they have a range of people some people don't know what a dandelion is but they're genuinely interested yeah and, and i have to say that that stunned me when I started doing this. And one of the plants we show is a dandelion. And it's and there are more people than I would have expected who who really weren't sure. But you know, the bottom line is that they go away, they do know. Um, and then, you know, dandelion is such a fabulous plant as well to initiate plant conversations on, because everyone will tell you it's a weed which is a term, another term I've a bit of a problem with. Um, and you can then talk about all of the stuff that dandelions can do, you know, they were used to make tea, they're really good for pollinators, they're really important for, you know, our local biodiversity, uh, they're very beautiful, there are some parts of the world where people are looking to get them as exotic plants because of their seed heads, uh, which I was also stunned to, to discover as well, you just don't think about that with dandelions, but they're a fabulous plant um, to talk to people about as well, because again, they're, they're a kind of charismatic in a very odd way because so many people really don't like them um so you can talk to them about why they're really actually quite cool um which which i enjoy yeah so it triggers people when they're trying to get them out of their drives and things like that 
Yeah. Um, but it's really it's the so the stories behind the plants, I think, that's going to sell plants to people. And maybe plant awareness isn't quite catchy enough. It's definitely the top one that I've heard, but I'm not sure if we can come up with another catchier kind of a thing, but let's go with plant awareness for the time being anyway. <laughs> you are a plant lover, and I always ask people to talk about some plant or animal they're particularly fond of, so go for it. <laughs> so I, I could I could pick so many, um, but the, the paleobotanist in me uh, always goes to ginkgo biloba, uh, which is a fabulous species of non-flowering so gymnosperm tree so what that means is that it produces a seed but it doesn't produce a flower and gymnosperms that people would be more aware of the christmas tree okay so if you're that's a gymnosperm so uh, ginkgo is not very closely related um but it is an absolutely fascinating plant uh they are in the fossil record for well over 200 250 million years uh, so they preceded the dinosaurs and outlasted them as well. And they have these really beautiful leaves that are usually two-lobed. So that's where uh, the, the biloba name comes from. They can be fan-shaped as well, depending. Um, but they're a really noticeable, beautiful leaf. Um, and they're very interesting because they were a very long time ago, hundreds of millions of years ago, they're very common in the fossil record. And then they start to become less and less. And around the time that the angiosperms, so the flowering plants, evolve and start to become dominant in the fossil record, we see the, the ginkgos um, start to become less and less common. So they were they were likely outcompeted by the angiosperms. But they were there's a, there was a relict population in um, kind of in, in East Asia, and they're found often in near Buddhist temples. So no one's really sure if they were fully relic, fully natural populations that just happened to survive, or they were attended by uh, the Buddhist monks. Um, and there are some just beautiful examples of them. But nowadays, they're, they've kind of had a bit of a resurgence, and they're very common in the Northern Hemisphere, as a street tree because they're quite resistant to pollution and you see them in North America, Europe, Asia, everywhere um, and they um, they're, they're survive quite well in cities but they also have uh, they'll drop all of their leaves they turn yellow and drop their leaves and the leaves will drop almost synchronously overnight in a particular area. So there's just suddenly a carpet of, of ginkgo leaves. So it, they're really, really beautiful plant. They also used um, herbally. So there's uh, some medicinal properties in them and they're used for tea. Um, and I've had ginkgo tea, it's quite odd. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're really, really, really interesting plants. The other thing that's quite interesting about them is the vast majority of the ones that you would see today are uh, male. And the reason for that is that the female fruit is excessively pungent. So because the plants were selected to be planted um, in the cities, generally speaking, they're male plants, uh, which don't have a very strong smell um, associated with them. But there's plenty of them in, in Ireland. We have some in NUI Galway. Uh, there's this beautiful one in the Botanic Gardens in Dublin. So they're around. And uh, once you start to notice them, you, you kind of see them uh, very clearly because they're really distinct leaf shape. So 
so that was, that's my favorite one yeah they're beautiful leaves we'll put some pictures up on instagram and hopefully everybody will learn the ginkgo tree and we might have the monks to thank for them growing today mm -hmm. then yeah but yeah that's a beautiful story what positive actions would you like people to do to help support nature so i think there's there's lots that people can do um and i think that kind of tying in plant awareness with that what I would really like to see is people taking a little bit more interest in our native flora. So particularly if you have a garden, maybe seeing what would grow there if, uh, in, in a small area of it, seeing what might grow there if you weren't planting it or managing it very heavily um, and not maybe considering everything that pops up to be a weed. Um, so we have some really beautiful native plants um but we obviously don't see them in you know very often in garden center things like enchantress's nightshade uh hoary willow herb these things um uh, will grow quite easily in many areas so i think that that would be quite positive um just on that um i did notice uh, on facebook a garden show in england and i can't remember the name but i'll find it the weed garden won the overall gold in the last couple of weeks yes Oh, that's amazing. I miss that. Um, that's really cool. There's so much really beautiful, just native stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that would be something um, that I think it would be nice to see people, um, you know, kind of engage a little bit with the native flora as, as well as, as other plants, obviously. Um, the other thing then I think is, you know, if you don't have a garden, I haven't had a garden for many, many years, um, but, you know, have a window box or some pots it will bring you joy as well apart from anything else it, it really does the other aspect then is you know when <laughs> people are looking to be elected tell them this is a priority for you ask them what they want to encourage in terms of biodiversity how they're going to fund it how they're going to support our native ecosystems um how important it is in their list of priorities and make it an issue um, because I think there is movement on this but it really will only come really from the people um, if, if people are really interested in this I think that that's where it needs to go um, in order to to really help protect our environments. Well I will take a list of questions off you at the end and, and I'll put them in the show notes for people because I think if they actually had the questions rather than sort of oh are you do you know support biodiversity but if you can actually say how are you going to fund it what are you going to yeah. do um, we'll put them in the show notes so that's a really, cool, really yeah. yeah good point. Um, have you a couple of nature books you'd like to recommend for us? Yeah so um I, I was thinking about this and the one of the books that really struck me a long time ago uh, was A Walk in the Woods by uh, Bill Bryson. And I just loved that. He, he, the descriptions in that book of walking through the Alpatians in North America are amazing. A place that I've never been and I feel like I could recognize it from having read his book. Um, so I, I love that. Um, and the other one is Zoe Devlin's The Wildflowers of Ireland. It is, it's my absolute favorite. Now, obviously I, I use that as well in teaching and, and um, in work, but it is just the most fabulous way to connect with 
are native wildflowers. Um, so if anyone is interested in that, that would be where I would recommend they start. It is a really accessible, really easy, really accurate and just beautifully presented and written book. Um, and yeah, I love it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> It is. It's a lovely book. I'm so glad it's on our book list. And I, I, I want to get the whole book list together now and post it somewhere because the books uh, that have been recommended by people are just fabulous. So thank you. Two great choices. Now you've got that magic wand. What are you going to do for the planet? You've only five minutes. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still don't know. I think um, I... I think I have got, again, I've probably got two answers to this. One is to, to try and get people to engage with plants a little bit more. Um, but I think the other one um, is just maybe to give people the opportunity. If I could give people anything, it would be the gift of taking a second before you speak, <laughs> before you respond. Take a second, be a little bit kinder. And I think that that would be my um, my wish for the world, because I think so much around just discussions nowadays is so hot and heavy and gets out of hand so quickly. And I think just to lower the temperature a little bit would be um, would be good. <laughs> I think that's absolutely lovely. That actually gave me shivers and it's sort of also given me a little bit of a nudge because Twitter is so tempting when you see oh, yeah. something, it's so tempting. You just want to answer, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> so yeah, I, I walk away twice yesterday. So <laughs> so when I'm on Twitter, I'm going to think of you, Karen. Take a minute and be kind. So what a lovely, lovely thing to finish up with. And is it, um, do you have any way you'd like to point people to website-wise or to the university or anything else oh, you'd like yeah. to, um, to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there's the uh, NUI Galway's website is really good. If, so, yeah, check it out. <laughs> and um, what can you say about the botany department? Obviously, <laughs> you, you dived in at totally... Uh, the wrong moment when everything shut down instantly it wasn't your fault <laughs> there was a pandemic <laughs> um, but now everything's opening up it, it's fabulous um I have been so thrilled to I, I'm very privileged to have been able to come home and and essentially pick where I wanted to work that is not that is rare in academia. So I do feel intensely privileged that um, that has happened. Um, it, it was wonderful to be able to come home, even if seeing family and friends hasn't worked out <laughs> so far, but it will. Um, and my colleagues are just wonderful. Um, you know, it, it's been it's been great. And I think uh, we've a lot of exciting plans. Um, I think, you know, the, the future is bright, um, hopefully. And yeah, it's it's just it's been brilliant. It's a lovely place to to work. My colleagues are super. The students are great. Um, you know, you, you couldn't ask for more, really, to be honest. So, yeah, it's all good. That's great. And you're, you're thinking of developing the herbarium uh, possibly in the future and different projects yeah, so we're, we're working towards that and um we're you know trying to uh look at ways to increase um sample size we are, we're looking at storage and, and stuff like that at the moment on a very 
practical level. Um, but on an aspirational level, um, I would hope that in the, the next few years, we have a really effective, um, active and growing area for, you know, the West of Ireland in particular, but, you know, because you know we will be in the the, the herbarium in the west of ireland but also as a, a national um and international resource over the next few years that's that's kind of what we're working towards yeah great and we're so we're going to do some more seed collecting at borough nature sanctuary and there's been a lot of interest from people to volunteer so that might be one way of getting people more plant aware mm-hmm. and when they have to look and see which plant it is maybe take a herbarium sample and help do the seed collecting and there's a purpose behind it for the national seed bank so we'll work together um yeah. trying to raise awareness for plants yeah so yeah and, and we're looking forward to to getting involved in all that as well so it's yeah it's great it's good thank you so much karen for being on the podcast thank you thank you for listening to the nature magic podcast the news this week is that Borough Nature Sanctuary is now closed again due to a COVID-19 close contact. COVID, the gift that keeps giving. Anyway, keep an eye on our Facebook and Instagram for updates. Please review the podcast as it really helps with our reach and our mission to be a positive voice for nature. <laughs>